Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. I am grateful for you and grateful for our time together. Listen, before I dive in to our very important and tragic topic today, I want to tell you about the exciting things happening with the Great Man Podcast, the podcast that I do with some other gentlemen for men. Just recently, I have joined J.T. McCraw and Anthony Flemons, two dear men, dear friends. And the way we're now doing the Great Man Podcast is I do a talk one week, and then they do what we call the build the next week. These are two seasoned leaders of men. J.T. is a professional builder at a high level, one of the best men's coaches I know. Anthony is a director of restaurants. I don't know the proper title. Uh, eminent chef, genius, works for a major restaurant chain in America, African-American, rough upbringing, been in prison, uh, just brings great wisdom. I love Anthony. I love JT. So the way this is going to work is I'm going to do the talk one week. They will do the build the next week. And the build is teaching you how to build good principles of manhood into your life. Again, JT and Anthony are the best men's coaches I know. So you don't want to miss this. Wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to, download, get the Great Man Podcast. You're going to love it. You're going to want to be part of it. I want to talk to you in what will probably be a little bit raw terms about something that happened recently. All of you know about it. You may not know my connection to it, which is certainly not the most important thing, but I want to talk about solutions to it and why those solutions will probably be difficult in our highly partisan age. Uh, As you probably know, on Monday, March 27th, uh, a shooter entered into what is essentially a Christian elementary school in Nashville, Tennessee, 200 students, 40 faculty. Uh, The shooter had two AR-15s and a pistol uh, and enough ammunition to kill everybody in the school. The shooter blew out some doors, went in, and shot six people, three children, three adults, the female headmaster of the school, uh, a teacher who was only there as a substitute that day, and an African-American janitor, and then three little children. One of those children, uh, whose name is Haley, was shot while she was trying to pull the fire alarm to warn the rest of the students. She is a little 10-year-old hero. I, of course, am never going to say on the air exactly where I live for security reasons, uh, not to be overly dramatic, but this happened extremely close to my home in Nashville. Most of you know I live in both Nashville and D.C., and my Nashville home is very close to that. We could not hear the shots. Other neighbors did. We are, my office is in a uh, former music studio, so it has all kind of baffling. I can't, I can't hear anything uh, outside of my office, and, and Bev had headphones on, so we did not hear the shooting like our neighbors did, uh, the actual uh, shots, but we certainly heard the sirens. We certainly had choppers immediately overhead. Um, We certainly tracked it all day. This story is not about me. However, I just want to tell you about my connection to this story. The headmistress who was shot uh, was a friend of mine. My daughter dated her son in high school. The pastor there, who of course did survive, uh, Reverend Scruggs, 
a man I'm uh, not super close friends with, but just having been a pastor in Nashville, obviously know him, know of him. He knows of me. I think we've shared some words of encouragement from time to time. Uh, very good Presbyterian pastor. And my one of my wife's friends was killed. Uh, she was the substitute teacher. So this story is not about Stephen and Beverly Mansfield, uh, and I'm not trying to put the camera on me. I just want you to know that I feel this situation keenly. I love Nashville. Uh, it will be one of my homes for the rest of my life. I've been here since 1991. What is that? 34 years, I think that's correct. Um, no, 32 years. And um, I just love this city. And I'm sorry for the scar it has endured. We've had floods. We've had tornadoes. We've had terrorist bombings on Christmas Day in downtown Nashville. But uh, we've not had this, and we were hoping we wouldn't. I'm going to speak bluntly today. Um, there are solutions to this kind of problem. Uh, there are solutions to this kind of crisis. The reason that I am a little skeptical today, though I'm usually a very optimistic person, the reason that I'm a little bit skeptical is that in our highly politicized, polarized age, we also oversimplify solutions. We say that, hey, if they will just ban guns, hey, if they will just give everybody guns, um, hey, if there'd been security at the school, hey, and we, and usually, especially in the two political parties, they come down on one solution. One guy from the state legislature even threw his hands in the air. I think he was also, another guy was U.S. Congress said the same thing. He says, really not much we can do if people want to do evil. The problem with this situation is that it's multifaceted, that it requires a healthy society that knows how to respond to a tragedy uh, in a multifaceted, multi-front way. In other words, there are many solutions and all of them are required. Obviously, and I'm not taking these in any order of importance, obviously today, and God knows I am not accusing the grieving, but obviously today, unfortunately, any gathering of 200 students on a regular basis, especially Christian students, I have to say, we all know what the times are like. They're going to have to have security on grounds. They're just going to. And as far as I know, and I've asked these questions of people who are in administration there, uh, there was no security. They obviously had great alarms and great lockdown procedures that saved lives. Uh, obviously, a very well-run, loving school, but they didn't have armed security on campus. And I'm, not, I'm just starting randomly with that topic first. I'm not saying that would have prevented all of this. I'm not saying that uh, this is the sole solution. I don't believe in sole solutions to this problem. It's one of the one of the solutions. And for those of you who run schools, for those of you who run churches, for those of you who run or other organizations of faith or not, where you certainly have children gathered in a facility day in, day out, I'm sorry. Believe me, I am sorry to have to say this. You can't believe how much um, I have little grandchildren in schools, and I hate having to say this, but we are going to have to protect them. There are crazies out there. There are people of ill intent, and weapons are rampant. We'll debate some other time whether they should be or not. I think you know where I am on guns. I've done a number of podcasts on it. But obviously, one of the solutions is a school like this has to be guarded, okay? That's not the most important issue. It's just the one I mentioned first. Another issue 
has got to be that when a person is under counseling care, when a person is seeing a therapist and that therapist deems them to be imbalanced, perhaps violent, um, there have to be laws on the books that require the taking of weapons from their home. Now, this is going to freak out the Second Amendment crowd. And I am a gun owner. Uh, I have a concealed carry permit. I am not one who wants to see people not have guns. But we have shootings from people who are ideologically driven. We have shootings from people who are just bitter uh, about how they've been treated. We have uh, shootings for a variety of reasons. Sometimes they've even just been showing off of their girlfriend. But a lot of the shootings are by mentally ill people. And this young woman, I'm not going to say her name on the family because I I know her family and they're good people. Uh, I know of her family. I don't know them personally. She was under psychiatric, psychological counseling. I'm talking about in that range now. I don't know the details. Obviously, none of us do about her her therapy. But she was dangerous. She was imbalanced. She was bitter. She was raging. All of this is known from sort of the forensic investigation in her home, etc. And there have to be laws on the books that allow us to remove guns from the homes where people who are mentally unstable live. Now, I'm not talking about just somebody that, in my opinion, is mentally unstable or your opinion. I'm talking about where someone is under care and the therapist would say, yeah, they're a danger to themselves or others and the guns have to be taken away. This young lady, 28-year-old young lady, trans lady, we'll come back to that topic in a minute. She had seven weapons in her parents' basement where she lived, seven Uh, And she had accumulated all of them recently. Now, again, we get back into the gun debate a bit, and I'm not really that interested in getting into it at this moment. Uh, But the bottom line is when you have a psychologically imbalanced person as designated by a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, there have to be laws on the books that allow for the removal of weapons and that perhaps require the reporting of weapons for people who have been so designated. Okay, very important. Uh, Another issue has got to be, and I'm doing this in no order of importance, let me say again, another issue has got to be the parents themselves. Now, I want to tread very lightly here. These people are in hell today. Uh, They are, as, as far as I understand, good people, good church attenders, loved their daughter, had taken a moral stand with her on her sexual leanings. They are not culpable in this. I am not accusing them in any way. But if I may speak broadly for a moment, I've talked to you before about some of the investigations post-shootings that I've been involved in. And I pay attention to this a lot in the press just, just to answer a couple of questions that, I, that I'm kind of doing an informal survey in my mind. And when you have these shootings, you always have people around the shooter Uh, The Washington, D.C. shooting of congressmen is an example. You always have people who know the shooter, family members, people who sit at the end of the bar with them every day, whatever, neighbors who know that person. And they usually don't have any clue what's going on. This is one of the best lines of defense. Like You cannot believe the number of times somebody has shot up violently. Again, I don't mean to make these stories about me, but you remember the Alexandria, Virginia shooting where congressional baseball teams were training a little bit, practicing a little bit to have some fun in the congressional baseball game, annual congressional baseball game, and a shooter with a high-powered rifle uh, shot a bunch of congressmen, almost killed Congressman Scalise and, and you know maimed him forever. And... When investigation was done, nobody who knew him even thought this was possible. 
Now, it is possible that people just go off psychologically some, uh, occasionally. We call it going postal because it's happened in post offices repeatedly. But the bottom line is, usually people just aren't paying attention to the signs. And I do not want to accuse these parents. I do not want to accuse the, this girl's friends. I don't know. I don't know anything about them. But I just want to again raise the issue that we've got to know what's happening in our houses. We've got to know what, what's happening with our friends. We've got to be aware. Time and time and time again, people who might have detected something, people who might have seen a problem, people who might have reported it, people who might have confronted it early on are just oblivious. And we can't afford that these days. That's as far as I want to go, because, again, I have great compassion for these parents. I am not blaming them, but they have said publicly they had no idea that she had these weapons. And then, of course, we've got to talk about the trans community. I'm not doing this from a moral perspective right now, but as you know, we've just had a trans day of vengeance. There are people walking around with T-shirts with pictures of automatic weapons on them that basically says, you know, we will have a quality or else. They are highly threatening T-shirts. I imagine if people of another type or cause uh, let's say Muslims, for example, uh, wore those T-shirts that would, America would be highly incensed. But you can go online and you can see people taking pictures of themselves with a T-shirt that's got multiple weapons, multiple rifles, and, and they are mostly automatic rifles, automatic weapons, lined up north to south on a T-shirt. And something like the words, I'm not looking at one right now, um, we will have a quality and then the rifles appear and then at the bottom or else kind of thing. It's a threat. We will shoot you. We will kill you. If we don't, if trans doesn't have its equality, we will shoot you. And that brings us to this girl who was a girl who attended this Christian school, uh, the Covenant School. And um, she probably had people who were not in agreement with her uh, sexual proclivities uh, influencing her. She then went on a decade later after she would have, uh, well, more than that, because it's only an elementary school, long after she left that school, don't know anything about her high school, 28 years old now. So this is at least, what, 14 years after she left elementary school. She has apparently gone full trans, uses a male name, uh, Aiden, as her uh, trans name. And she decides to go back to this elementary school Having studied it, having cased it, uh, having analyzed it, having created a, a very extensive plan, she's completely tactical, all the gear. She is carrying a lot of uh, ammunition. And by the way, I'm no expert on police tactics, but I will tell you that this woman had had some training. She enters this school. We've seen the videos. You can see them online. They're, they're, they're right there uh, on YouTube, along with the body cam footage from the police. She enters the school. Uh, she moves like a cop. She has had some training. Uh, she is basically clearing the room, so to speak, though that's usually uh, language used for security forces. She knows what she's doing. She's moving in a trained, skilled, disciplined way. She's gone full tactical. She's had some training. So obviously part of the solution here, uh, and I'm making no moral judgments in this talk about the trans community, I am talking about the violence of trans culture, the threats, days of vengeance, it's called, um, telling us that they'll use automatic weapons against us if we don't comply with their lifestyle and give them preference. And clearly this young lady had been influenced by this movement, believed violence was the best way to go. Chose to shoot up an elementary school. Now, what's the oldest age in an elementary school? Sixth grade? So these are children, 10, 11, 12 years old. These are little children. And by the way, I don't want you to picture for too long uh, what I'm about to say, but just, just imagine what an AR-15 
that shoots around at three football fields in length a second and tumbles as it does when it enters the body. Imagine what it does to a 10-year-old body. I want to say, having said all these negative things, that the Nashville Metro Police were stellar. You can go on YouTube and watch this body cam footage. I have a number of friends in this police department. I have great respect for the Nashville Metro Police Department. Their skill, I believe they had taken the shooter down uh, 13 and a half minutes from the first shot. Pretty stunning. You can see them. They're disciplined. They are fearless. It's the opposite of Uvalde. I'm, I'm sorry to say the horrible Uvalde, Texas uh, disaster that cost so many lives. They are skilled. So I want to say on the air, these people were amazing. They were fearless and they had the shooter down. I believe the exact number is 13 minutes and 42 seconds down from the time the first shots rang out, which at, at which the Metro Police would not even have been called yet unless the alarms had been pulled by that point and that summoned them. We don't, I don't know those details. So what I'm trying to say in conclusion of this here is that this is a multifaceted situation. If the school had had security, and God bless them in their time of grief, if the parents had known, and God bless them in their time of grief, if the trans community had not been urging violence and possibly in some underground place offering training for such maneuvers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a bunch of ifs. And I'm not here to pick on anyone. I'm not here, certainly, to attack the grieving. But it's a multifaceted situation. And yes, it does involve something about guns and gun sales. How many AR-15s can you buy? How many how, should a, psyche, a person of psychological imbalance be able to get a gun? Really? Background checks aren't okay? Psychiatric confirmation isn't okay? Own an AR-15 or don't. But I don't mind you waiting 48 hours to get it. I don't mind you only being able to buy one. I'm just making this up now. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, once a year, once every six months, you shouldn't be able to buy three all of a sudden. That signals something. Again, some of you are going to be ticked off at me about the gun side of this thing, but it plays into it. And we need to ask ourselves a question. Should an imbalanced 28-year-old girl be able to buy weapons that are terrifying? Especially when there's a therapist of record saying she's dangerous. Is that, is that, should that be allowed? So this is a multifaceted situation. We can argue it and debate it at the bars and the coffee shops, and we'll be debating it online forever. I'm not that interested in debates. This is personal for me. I care about these people. I care about this school. doesn't give me any special status or wisdom. But the problem, the reason that a lot of what I'm describing right now won't be addressed as it should be, is that it requires some subtlety. It requires some tempering. It requires a multifaceted approach, and we should be engaged in that. I'm proud of Covenant Church. I'm proud of the Nashville Police Department. I'm proud of the way uh, that one of the cities I live in has responded to this situation. I'm also, by the way, proud of my Presbyterian brothers and sisters who are showing themselves brilliant around PCA community, Presbyterian Church in America, just showing themselves brilliant and loving and caring. And I applaud my friends and those I don't know in that denomination. So pray. And many of you listen to this podcast and are in positions to make differences in municipalities, in Congress, in governments, elsewhere in the world. It's multifaceted. It's not as simple as ban all guns. It's not as simple as, you know, go confiscate all the weapons. That, that's, that's a silly, simplistic answer. 
nor is the answer to arm all teachers and arm all elementary school kids. How asinine. It's much more subtle. It takes much more subtle laws. Other countries are doing it. We can do it. Let's get to it. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular global speaker, and senior fellow for public leadership at Palm Beach Atlantic University. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.